Hey, thank you to Helix for sponsoring this podcast. Adam has had his Helix mattress for almost a year now, and he's loving it. It's it's actually hard to get him up. In fact, he won't stop talking about it. You'll understand what we mean when he goes into detail. Thank you for the detail, Adam, later on the episode. But for now, we want to tell our listeners about a special deal going on. Our Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and... As if that's not enough, two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet, and I'll bet it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. (sighs) This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Here we go. Three, two, one. I must look fantastic because I just did, I just followed a workout video. What kind of workout video? A blonde girl with a fake background. Um, oh, that one. Yeah, she's yeah. great. Yeah. And, uh, whoo, boy. I, you know, they have a timer on the screen, but the thing is, she knows what she's going to do next. I don't know what she's going to do next. And so she moves seamlessly into the next exercise. But I don't start it until about 15 seconds in. Uh, because Yeah, you know, well, the, the point of, of exercise videos, Paula, is that you do them regularly. So purportedly, if you were to you know, use this as, as recommended, next time you will know what she's doing next. No, no. <laughs> You're gonna I forget. wouldn't. No. By the time I get in, like the, you know, the position, she's halfway done. Uh, you know, today I noticed she was just glaring at me. So apparently, I'm the only one not following along the right way. I don't think she can see you unless you've joined Peloton. I used to when I lived in San Francisco a thousand years ago. I had an old black and white television that sat on the floor beside my bed, and sometimes I'd be up all night and. And sort of as a punishment to myself, when television started up again the next morning, Joni Greggins was the name of the workout woman. It was like the first show on TV in the in the morning in San Francisco. And I would do the Joni Greggins workout. But she used to say, like when they went to commercials, she'd go, keep going. You know, like, so whatever you were doing, you were supposed to continue while the commercial was Throughout playing. the entire commercial break? Yeah, yeah. And I would, at that point, I would move behind the television so that she couldn't see that I wasn't keeping going. Yeah, yeah. again, probably unhealthy in, in lots of ways. Well, which makes it even more extraordinary how good I look today. It's you really would, crazy. You would think after everything I've done wrong. Between your hat, your hair, your bulky sweater, your turtleneck underneath, and, and all that, I can't tell you that how great your shape is right now, but you look healthy. Oh, your face looks healthy. Oh, it is. <laughs> uh, it is. <laughs> um, you know what? I saw a thing the other day. I think I saw it on the CNN website, and I and made me think that we should interview somebody about this, which is there's a thing okay. – 
with young girls. They're doing this anti-aging stuff for their skin. And I'm, I'm, wow. we're literally talking about like tweens. It's not only a terrible waste of money and a sad statement about our society, but it actually can do harm to them. I'm not sure that it doesn't do harm to adults as well, but it's not good. All right. Well, for all you teen girls who listen to this, tween and teen girls who listen to this podcast, I know there's got to be literally dozens of you. Don't do that. Yeah, don't do that. There, problem solved. Thank you, Adam. Oh, my God, yeah, you sure. were so good. I don't know why you didn't hit on that yourself. Yeah, no, you just came in and you found the words. You, you like, I, you know, sometimes I stumble for words, which is weird given my job, but sometimes I just can't articulate what I mean to say. But you took that, you streamlined it. Fantastic. Okay, this is really embarrassing. Uh-oh. But when you're talking about the creams with the teenagers. So I actually am using... One of these products right now that says like it'll help get rid of wrinkles and like well that's that's fantastic but but I'll tell you what I, Ivy your mom Bonnie is usually on the show no Adam that's Bonnie that's Bonnie Burns that no, is oh my Bonnie. god you literally look like you've ironed your skin it no, is so no. wrinkle free yeah. well that's- first of all they say use it in the morning and the night so it looks like you've pinned back your flesh with a hair clip. So I don't wash my face at night, so I'm only doing it once a day. But what I think is kind of silly is that I'm actually wondering, oh, is it going to look a little less wrinkly? Oh, yeah. No, Adam barely recognized you. No doubt. You look fantastic. Yeah. (laughs) No, really. Um, I mistook you for your daughter. On Zoom, I look fantastic. Maybe instead of selling face creams, they should just sell stuff that makes your eyes not work that good. Or, oh. or like mirrors that do something, you know, so that we can all I just- got to tell you, I, I never look so good as when I get out of the shower and haven't put my glasses on yet. <laughs> That's when I'm at my best. Yeah. I can't believe how buff I am. I came up with a new approach. I can't remember if I told you this before, but, you know, you know, when I'm in a, a theater, I'm in a dressing room and dressing rooms, generally speaking, have a lot of mirrors. And so, they're, yes. you know, and so sometimes I, I, I cannot even avoid my own image uh, before I go on. And my hair is never, no matter what I do, it's disastrous. And uh, so I spend time in the mirror, not fixing my hair, but accepting my hair. And I, that's probably the, the, the way to go to get, you know, because what's my job? I'm going to go out and I'm going to tell my little jokes. I don't need. Well, at this point, you know, you're not going to make your hair better than it is. It, it is what it is, right? It kind of is. Yeah. I think it's for, OK, you know, uh, I'm a little old for this, but I do think part of it is because of the collective disappointment of my entire family about my hair. It, it really was a thing that they all <laughs> When did that about. start? Like right you know, away? Not too long after birth, I think, when it first started to come in. My sisters used to, after I'd wash m- my hair when I was like elementary school, they would take my hair and make these um, sort of flapper, uh, you know, 20s um, curly cues on the hair on the side of my head. And then they would tape it uh, because they were convinced that it would you know, overnight it would make it hold its shape if you taped it that way. And then that in the morning, reasonable. before I had to go to school, they would rip the tape off my face. And so, and the hair would, by the way, f- f- you know, f- it didn't hold that shape. And so then it would just, you know, fall down. And, uh, but I went to school with like two big, um, <laughs> big tape. tape marks. Abrasions, tape abrasions. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> which never really caught on fashion-wise. You know, the other kids, I wasn't a trendsetter. The other kids didn't pick up on that. Oh, who does your cheeks? Uh, oh, that's weird. That's yeah. really weird. That's yeah. Right. You, you'd, think, you'd think that would have caught on. Yeah, you, you would think, because, you know, the way people look to me for guidance and that sort of stuff now. Yeah, um, I mean, now they look to you for fitness guidance, but back oh, then it was all hair. Yeah, Everything. Everything. Hey, should we should we start a show? What do you, you mean? For it? What do you, uh, like I could do my intro. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Coming to you live from our houses in Los Angeles, California. This here is Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, your comedy field guide to life. Tonight, last month, our guest, social media expert Sonny Hunt had to cancel on us, and we ended up getting a state-of-the-art look at the world of social media best practices from our very own Bonnie Burns and Tony Anita Hull. And what could be better than that? I'll tell you what could be better than that. Actual social media expert Sunny Hunt is actually here tonight, and she's got a lot to live up to. And by live up to, I kind of mean set straight. And then, yes, you love us for our minds, but we'd really rather you paid attention to our fit and fabulous bodies. Yes, we share our tales of our former athletic triumphs in our brand new segment, We Got Game. Ooh. I'm Adam Felber. This podcast <laughs> Snopes.com, meticulously sifting through the reams of digression and distraction to ferret out the precious nuggets of relevance. And now, welcome the gifted and loquacious storyteller who once prompted a Nigerian prince to email her, oh, for fuck's sake, keep the money, just stop emailing me. It's Paula Poundstone. <laughs> hey, you guys. Uh, welcome, Paula. It's so lovely hey, Paula. to... What? If we did a cold open, I would have said this, but you look very hale and hearty and fit right now. Oh, thank you, and I and I feel so good. You know what? The proper greeting to me now is, "Hey, Paula, nice abs." Um. Oh, sorry. So I want to welcome tonight's house band. Speaking of abs, I want to welcome tonight's house band, Eric Wolf on the trumpet. <laughs> is a long-time nobody from Guilford, Connecticut, who recently retired to return to his creative roots, Ooh, including a music degree from Southern Connecticut State University and wow. to serve on the board of Fuse Theatre Company. You can check them out at FuseTheatreConnecticut.org. That's F-U-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E-C-T.org. So what's new with you, Paula Poundstoney? You know, I don't think I would call this new, but I will say this. Many days, you know, when I'm cleaning up in the kitchen in the morning, I'll take the cat's water dish. And there's always like a couple of pieces of dried food, like disintegrating in the water. And it's kind of gross. Maybe even there's a little bit of cat fur in there sometimes, too. It's kind of gross. And so I'll dump it out and clean out the bowl and then pour fresh water in it and put it down. The other night, my cat Lawson was up on the counter while I was making my own dinner, and he just kept knocking shit over. You know, he. Just, I have. Yeah. Um, I get lettuce and greens from the um, uh, lettuce grow hydroponic garden thing, and 
he jumps up on the counter and he drags it all over the place. And then he knocked my soda over and there was a can of yeah. dog food on the counter. He knocked that off. And I realized it may be that they intentionally put that kibble into their the dry food into the water. <laughs> they may be making like a casserole. And I come along, right, and dump it out. And so he was just sort of get. He's just getting me back. Like if I was making like a lasagna, right? And I got the, you know, put the first layer of the tomato sauce down and now I'm putting the ricotta on. He just comes and dumps it out. That must be how they view that when I do that. I'm sure they well, think, well, you know. Well, leave, leave their casserole alone for a couple of days and see if uh, they stop messing with your food prep. Yeah. Well, now I feel terrible, you know, because they're like, um, we just, I just made that. What? <laughs> but... <laughs> Do they eat it after they make it? Or well, is it really for company? I'm not certain. Uh, but, you know, I'm telling you, the fresh water hasn't been down for even a day before they put more. And I've seen them do it before with their paws where they put it. In fact, I've seen them do wow. it, you know, with a measuring cup and a spoon before where they, you know, bang it on the side of the Pyrex bowl. And, you know, they check <laughs> in the meniscus to make sure it's the right amount. Um, yeah, well, that's that, that yeah. that's your clue right away that that cat is cooking. Yeah, you know, it's somewhere on my bookshelf, I think we have an old cat recipes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, you know, you know, Paula, I've got a, a little story to tell you from last week. Something that happened to me, as you know, after we recorded last week, like a day or two later, I drove to Las Vegas to see my sister, who's at the, who was at the big consumer electronics show. I know you know this because we did that uh, Patreon chat with our listeners, and I had to pull over to do the chat on my way to Vegas. So it was a long day for me, and I hadn't eaten much because I, uh, you know, I've been trying to take off my holiday weight, and uh, and it had been a long day anyway, and then I'm driving, you know, five straight hours with that pullover time, and I get into Vegas just in time to throw down my bags and meet my sister's company at this party that they're throwing, and they are a consumer health product. Uh, company. They've even advertised on our show. Uh, they do all these health monitoring devices and stuff. And it, this becomes important in just a minute. So I'm thinking I need to get some food somewhere, but I don't have time. So I go to this party and somebody gives me a drink and I have the drink and now I'm feeling kind of lousy. And I'm in this hotel suite with like 40 French people. Okay. And yeah. I, then I'm in the, the in French the room hate it when Americans throw up. I hope that doesn't happen. So I'm in the I'm I'm in a room where there's where there's a lot of people smoking cigarettes because that's what healthy French people do at parties. They smoke like chimneys. So now the smoke is making me feel kind of sick. And I'm like, if there's one thing I need right now, it's water. I'm dehydrated. So I remember where the room where the bar is, and I go to that room where the bar is, and now that room where the bar is, it's a tiny room, is packed dark and there's a strobe light on and loud music playing. And oh, now I'm no. feeling kind of faint. So, but I'm like, I got to get in there because that's the only possible place that I could find a, a bottle of water. So I go in there and I fight my way to behind the bar and the strobe lights are flashing. And the next thing I know, I'm on the floor. You passed out. You failed wow. out. For, for the first time since I was 19 years old, I passed wow. out. Oof. And people, people get me some, help me up and get me some Pellegrino and walk me to a chair in the other room. And now I'm in a world where some people are getting my sister and 40 French people who all work for a health monitoring company <laughs> are checking on my state of health. Wow. So they were like strapping on newfangled devices to you and stuff? Yeah, I was, I was covered in devices. They almost crushed me with them. You are not breathing. 
Adam Felbert. Adam Felbert. What is your blood oxygen level? <laughs> and I was like, look, I'm fine. There's not a health problem here. I was just dehydrated and couldn't get to water. You are dehydrated, Adam Felbert. We must <laughs> <laughs> we must give you very expensive French water. Uh, wow. Uh, wow. Boy, that's not good. No, it was yeah. a miserable experience. I'm pretty sure it probably was a, a dehydration thing. That would be my guess. Yeah. Because you know what takes it out of you? Chatting with nobodies on Patreon. No, you know what? No, bullshit. No, you know what it was? It was those- What? It was those fucking smoking French people. And I'll bet that's what you said when you came too. I'll bet you said, get away from me, you fucking smoking French people. <laughs> I did, and that, I think, might be the last nail in the coffin for my yeah. representing their products. Yeah. Uh, you said, I, I was fine until I heard all of you people going, ooh la la, ooh la la. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and with that, I want to move us ahead to something fantastic. I'm going to call to order our book club. I am so excited. I'm trying to figure out what kind of theme attitude I want tonight. I usually, mm -hmm. you know, something comes to me and then I run with that. Yeah, mm -hmm. but now the moment's gone. Oh, well, <laughs> I can because jump I go, right in. Book club, book club, and we go to theme song. I don't, okay, do it again. I'd like to call to order our bookie, bookie, book club. We've got a book club, a bookie, bookie, book club. We've got a book club, a bookie, bookie club. We've got a book club, a bookie, bookie, book club, a bookie, 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 bookie club. Wow. That was fantastic. I thought I was excited about the book club. I, I, I was I, I, maybe it was just the excitement of hearing uh, the new interpretation of the theme song. That was fantastic. I, oh, thank that was you. really good. You know what? The creativity coming out of this yeah. this podcast today <laughs> is that's that's why Tony Anita Hull isn't here again this week. She said it's. I'm not feeling creative, and I'll feel left out if you guys come up with stuff without me. Uh, wait till she finds out that we were on fire creatively. Uh, Absolutely on fire. Didn't yeah. Hey, let's get to the book club. Um, we read chapters uh, 19, 20, and 21. And when, we, when I say we, I mean I read chapters 19, 20, and 21 <laughs> of J.D. Salinger's immortal classic, Catcher in the Rye. Here's what Did happened. we ever... Holden Caulfield goes to a bar that he says he never goes to, but he goes in and he, he meets this guy who's in college now and they talk about sex a little bit and then Holden gets really drunk, like super duper drunk. Eventually kind of gets kicked out of the bar, takes a long walk in the cold in Central Park, thinks he's going to die of pneumonia, drops the record he bought for his sister, doesn't have a place to go. It's the middle of the night. He sneaks across the park to his uh, his parents' place, and sneaks into his sister's room to say hi to Phoebe, and she's really happy to see him, but she then figures out that he got kicked out of school, and she's worried that his parents are going to kill him. That's, uh, that's a, I think, a succinct summary of where we are. And as always, with little help in mind, I go to Paula Poundstone to see how those chapters affected her. Well, I think my favorite part was this part right here. What is going on with rye whiskey? Suddenly, 
Both experienced and new whiskey lovers are turning to rye as their primary object of interest. And just as suddenly the market is flooded with new offerings of this old-fashioned spirit, the growth from just a dozen brands 15 years ago to more than 225 today is unprecedented. Which, that you know, I think that's my favorite part so far. It really moved me. Paula Poundstone? Yeah. We were reading Catcher in the Rye. Yeah. This is- and just from memory, without looking it up, I can tell you that's American Rye, A Guide to Original Spirit uh, by, Cle- by Clay Risen. You did. No, it's Catcher in the Rye. Not only that, Paula Poundstone, I have to say, that's not a original thought that you have about the book that you read that wasn't Catcher in the Rye. What do you mean? Not an original thought. I mean, that's the description right there on Amazon.com. What is growth? Going on with what rye whiskey. What is going whiskey. on with rye whiskey? Um, Suddenly, both experienced and new whiskey lovers are turning to rye as their primary object of interest. Yeah, it's catching the rye. A, it's not catching the rye, and B, it's not your original thought. You know- Paula Poundstone, I am going to move just to get it out of the way to censure you. <laughs> you know what? I'm having a censure cabinet put in. Uh, oh, that's good, that's so good. So that they could all be on display. You know, I did read this book- in high school, and then I read it a couple times afterwards. And it occurs to me that when I read it when I was in high school, you know, I grew up in a small town in Massachusetts, and there were things that Holden Caulfield was doing that I so couldn't relate to. And I yeah. don't think I even really like, you know, when you're reading, naturally you picture things in your head. I don't think I could even picture in my head what he was doing. Because I never had stayed in a hotel with an elevator. You know, when we used to vacation, we went to Alabama and we stayed at Howard Johnson's and there were no elevators and there were no bars. And so, you know, thinking back, I'm like, I think a lot of it I was reading and I was putting my eyes on the words, but it was kind of, you know, what Ginger hears, blah, 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 Ginger, blah, 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 you know. Or maybe I did think that was life. I, I don't know. But I, I used to leave school, not infrequently, and I would often do stuff like I would go buy pizza and bring it back to my friends. And the first time I ever did that, I, I think I walked to the pizza place, I think, from high school. And my plan was that I would take a cab back. And it just never occurred to me that Sudbury, Massachusetts did not have cabs. I like it just, I think, I think it's the sort of thing. I think I thought that I was living some sort of adult life by going from the school, you know, down to the, making a purchase on my own and then getting myself back there. And I think I like this this other kind of life that we didn't have in Sudbury, I think I thought was adult life and that I just hadn't done anything adult yet. Yeah. But that when I chose to, suddenly Sudbury would be full of cabs. I'd be hailing a cab from outside of Sudbury Pizza. Um, I, 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 I even remember when I was a kid, I was reading like a golden book or something, like real little, like just learning to read little. And I read something about a C-I-T-Y car. City car. And at that time, I don't think I was even far enough along in reading to realize that a C had more than one way you could pronounce it. And so I think I, 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 when I would read it aloud, I would say kitty car. And I don't think I had this 
slightest idea what it was. How old were you? Uh, probably kindergarten. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Kitty car. Yeah. Well, that's that's pleasant. That's cute. Okay. I just okay, here's another part that really moved me. Okay. Author and spirits expert Clay Risen now offers okay. a roadmap to the phenomena of rye. Told you. That is I just a roadmap, Adam. Yeah, again, not the book we're reading. Uh, but I, I want to agree with you about what you were saying about the book that we are reading, which is that um, when I read it um, first in grade school and then again in high school, I enjoyed it. But I wonder whether even though that that book is handed to high schoolers like free samples at a skincare convention, I wonder whether it's really intended for, for, for kids that age. Because part of the fun reading it now is you understand just how crazy it is what Holden's doing. That he's doing stuff that high school kids don't and shouldn't do. And that, that he's kind of on these, these crazy benders. Whereas, like you, when I read it as a, as a kid, I was like, well, I guess that's what teenagers do in New York City. No, that's what I thought they hop too. They in cabs and they rent hotel rooms and they drink their heads off. And, I, and I didn't, it didn't strike me that that's not really what teens do, except for the drinking part. Yeah, but even when you drank, you didn't do it that way. You didn't, no, you, you I didn't, didn't sit at a bar, bar and order gin and tonics and hit on the, sing, the French exactly. singers, no. Here's what I think I like about it. He's talking to me. Yeah. That, uh, Holden is telling me his story, and he seems to care what I think. Because he'll repeat <laughs> yeah. stuff. He'll go like, you know, if you think Phoebe isn't smart, you know, you're you're an idiot. And then he'll go, you know, <laughs> yeah. and then he'll go like, no, really, like you he really he, are. Yeah. You know, he, he he seems to care what I think. And as I, because I really gave this a lot of thought, especially. After I read this part, extensive rye whiskey accounts are no, organized see, alphabetically by distillery and brand, and each of more than 225 expressions include a color photo. A color of photo the of the bottle. What? How what? did you? Nothing. How did you know what page I was on? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I, I do think. I do think part of what I like about it. I mean, you know the name of the podcast is Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. And so mm -hmm. the idea that we're reading a book where the, <laughs> where the narrator um, seems to be talking to me and seems to care what I think is very <laughs> exciting. Very it's got to feel good. It's got to it feel good. Hey, speaking of feeling good, or because at least we know she's looking great over there. Not a wrinkle on her. Looking youthful as hell. It's Bonnie Burns. Bonnie, how the hell are you? And how the hell did you like chapters uh, 19, 20, and 21? Okay, here's what I think. I think that I got a lot of this book wrong. And I was like saying that Holden's an elitist and, you know, he's a phony and he has this privileged life. He doesn't realize real life. You've this been pretty week, fucking hard on Holden Caulfield. Yeah, yeah, I was. Like the kid didn't have enough problems. <laughs> this exactly. Week, I came to a new realization. And now I'm a little that? embarrassed that I didn't really realize this earlier, which is that it's the... The conflict pits the innocence and authenticity of childhood is represented by Holden's sister Phoebe oh, against Jesus. what Holden sees as all these what, what, phony what, adults. This, and he doesn't want to again? mature That's because he thinks again. of it as that you're going to end up dying. It's Cliff Notes. Like the brother. You're reading Are Cliff you Notes. That from Cliff it Notes? is the Cliff Notes, but it yeah, none of started this making a lot of sense to me. <laughs> oh my and god! And now, even if it's, I appreciate the book more. Yeah, yeah. Did I, you read the Did okay. you read those chapters 
or did you read no, the cliff notes? I said I, I wasn't going to wait. You know, this the, is why. <laughs> this is why I don't support I AI this at Bonnie all. Burns. The head Bonnie Burns. police chief, the police chief of LA. Did you notice he just resigned? And he no. said the problem was that he was getting older. He went on vacation with his wife and kids and that he didn't have one spare second to enjoy life with them. And that he felt that what's that sand timer where you turn it over and you have, you know, like the sand went down. He said he felt like he had more sand in the bottom than he did in the top. <laughs> and so he was getting out. Now, well, why this is, is your reason for to, not reading those chapters? This is in chapter 26. That yeah. LA. No, this is, this and is so Bonnie that's where explained. I'm at, about more sand yeah. in the bottom. And I just, I really don't want to spend my time <laughs> no, doing that. You know I what? get it from the Cliff's Notes. I get it. I realized it. I understand why it's an important book. You're Looking at your skin right now tells me that your top sand is packed. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you are. There's not going to be a place to put all the sand that you have coming yeah. down. Uh, you got tons if of sand left. If your skin left. is any indication, you are yeah. you are sandy as hell. So I yeah, think it's a really top. good book. I love that you've come around to thinking it's a good book without reading it. Paula, yeah. Paula, yeah. Is, Paula is literally face palming right now. Yeah. No, she I read really, some of it. I can't believe you would. If you're talking about wasting time, you say, well, okay, I don't want to waste my time reading this book because I'm not interested in it. Then why would you waste your time reading Cliff Notes? Uh, well, even. It's uh, shorter. You it's, know what you could read? It's a point this, faster. Yeah. No, this will. I think you can read this book that can synthesize the thoughts faster, which is Clifford Notes, uh, which are written yes. by the Big Red Dog. By uh, the Big Red Dog himself. Yeah. And, uh, I, you uh, know, I, I miss a lot with the skimming. You know what, uh, Clifford, uh, the big red dog notes loved was, uh, Fetcher in the Rye. Fetcher oh. in the Rye was a big one. Oh, yeah. that's the sequel. Um, Bonnie. Yeah. <laughs> Did you just say also, that? Also, you, Clifford loved To Kill a Mockingbird. Uh, oh my God. Yeah, absolutely. I would kill a mockingbird. I will kill that mockingbird for you. Mockingbird. Um, I will eat it and kill I it. Will, I will play with that mockingbird. Yeah. No, but here's the thing. I feel, you know, the book's very well written and I started feeling to skim it was really doing- J.D. Salinger's rolling over in his grave right now. It was doing him <laughs> yeah. an injustice. So this way, at least I know what the- so you felt Maybe. like you were skimming, yes. skimming was giving him, was doing him injustice, yeah. but reading the fucking cliff notes is honoring his memory. Well, yeah, I, yeah, I get the, the bigger picture. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I, mm -hmm. I get the bigger picture too, which is that you both are censured and that's the end of book club for this week. We're rolling towards the, the dramatic conclusion of Catcher and Raya, or at least we're, we're halfway done. I think, um, next week, chapters 22, 23 and 24. We're way Man, more than we're halfway. We're way more than halfway done. Oh, yeah. I'm so I, sorry I, to I, hear that. Uh, yeah. Um, what? Yeah, Bonnie. Um, <laughs> don't even. I'm going to know what happens by the end of next week. Uh, well, good. Don't don't share it with us <laughs> okay. who've read it several times. Um, hey, uh, you know, everybody, Elon Musk himself once said, I think there should be regulations on social media to the degree that it negatively affects the public good. Which underscores this country's <laughs> dire need for irony police. And later, after that, our sports success stories. It all starts when we come back. <laughs> 
On this day in unremarkable history, George Gallup said, Okay, kids, which phrase best describes how you feel about the mashed potatoes I'm about to serve you? A. I would like a serving of mashed potatoes. B. Keep the mashed potato bowl down at my end of the table. Or C. If the mashed potato bowl is coming towards me, it is going in the wrong direction. I love it. Thank you. Hey, Paula. You know... Every once in a while, we get a new advertiser that I get super excited about. And I have to say, just because of the circumstances of my life right now, I'm really excited about our new advertiser, Quince of Quince.com, the clothing provider. Not to be mistaken for Quince from Midsummer Night's Dream. And let me just say this, and maybe it's not important to an advertisement, but when I was in the fourth grade, our class put on a production of a midsummer night's dream okay and i played i played peter quince there there's the connection one of the mechanicals that's a great connection also yes has nothing to do with this which is that um quince is an online clothing store and as you know paula i've uh, i've lost a little weight lately oh right 75 pounds yeah so i literally have no clothes that are in my size until i just ordered some stuff at quince and i figured like here's a chance for me to create a new look for myself a whole new image. And how's it going? Not bad. I mean, the clothes are fantastic. I know that you ordered some too. What I got is I got yes. the Comfort Stretch Traveler five pocket pants. And I got oh. the, um, oh, it's so, and I got the 100% European linen shirt and it looks breezy and it fits beautifully. And these are like premium pieces of clothing that are selling for like, you know, $30 a piece or starting at $30 at quince.com. It's awesome. I look good. I ordered the brushed lounge jogger Ooh. and you know i put them on when i came back from new york i pulled them on and i i swear to you okay this is not scientific because i was tired already right but they were so soft <laughs> and, and so comfortable that honestly like right as i got them up to my waist i i I think my eyes closed they're so it's a softness it's a kind of softness that I don't think I've ever experienced in a garment, honestly. You know, my uh, drawstring European linen trousers are a little bit like that, too. Like, so comfortable that I just want to hang out with myself. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they're European. Keep that in mind. They're oh, European. they are so European. And you can get those kinds. You can get washable silk tops. You can get uh, 14 karat gold jewelry and like all these accessories. Quince sells a lineup of timeless pieces that keep their customers looking effortlessly chic year after year. I'm not certain that I look chic, but certainly if I did, it's not going to take a lot of effort. I now look chic and I feel pretty great. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabric. It's all good as far as I can see. Is it my imagination or do they cut out the middleman? They cut out the middleman, Paula Poundstone. I love it when they cut out the middleman. That's the thing, they cut out the middleman. <laughs> That's fantastic. So be like me and Paula. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash nobody for free shipping on your order and a 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash nobody to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash nobody. And honestly, I look fantastic. Paula, you won't be able to keep your hands off me. Oh, I can't wait.
And don't think that if you had to return something, don't think you're sending it to a middleman because they cut out the middleman. They man. cut out the middleman. That's quince.com slash nobody. And if you're going to do it anyway. Use our code. Adam, you know I have a house full of cats and a couple of big dogs. So I have this one cat who every night likes to stand in the hallway and yowl. And he has kind of a, a little bit like me because uh, of allergies. I don't know why he has it, but his name is Theo and he has a really grovelly voice. So he'll, it's, it's hard to describe it. I can't do a good impression, um, but it's a little dusty, gravelly voice. Okay. So earlier I was laying on the living room floor cause I'm exhausted and I'm wearing a nylon fiber filled vest. As I'm laying on the floor, Theo shoves his head through one sleeve of the vest and crawls up and is now stuck inside in between my back and the vest and is yowling because he can't get out. And then finally his head comes out the other sleeve and he goes out. What's not to love? That's what I say. What is not to love? Which brings me to this. Today's episode is sponsored by the ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program. Your pet is part of your family, you know that already, and you want the best for them no matter what. But vet bills can really add up. Go ahead, ask me. That's why you should check out pet insurance. And with ASPCA Pet Health Insurance, you can focus on the care your pet deserves and cover what matters most. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program offers customizable accident and illness plans, making it easier for pet parents like you to help your pet get the care they may need. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program has been around for over 18 years, and they've helped more than 600,000 pets during that time. That's a lot of pets. Sure they allow you to customize your plan, helping ensure that your pet's plan is as unique as they are. Because vet bills can really add up, especially when you're least expecting it. It's simple. Use their app to submit a claim and you'll receive reimbursement for eligible vet bills directly into your bank account. To explore coverage, visit ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash Paula. That's ASPCA. We spell that A-S-P-C-A. PetInsurance.com slash Paula. This is a paid advertisement. Insurance is underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by PTZ Insurance Agency Limited. The ASPCA is not an insurer and is not engaged in the business of insurance. And if you're going to do it anyway, use our code. Hey, Paula, it's been almost a year now since I got my Helix mattress. And as you remember, there was some drama surrounding Helix mattresses. Because oh, when oh my Helix gosh. first sponsored us, Bonnie took the mattress and yeah. she's been loving it. But finally, I got my chance to get a Helix mattress and I sleep so well. I mean, the family bed is where we all gather. We watch movies in, in our room occasionally and everybody just piles on it and it it's comfy. And yet when one person hops on, the other half of the mattress doesn't fly up. I'm a fan. Well, you know, Adam, everybody is unique and everyone sleeps differently. That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences. Models with memory foam layers to provide optimal pressure relief if you sleep on your side. Models with a more responsive foam to cradle your body for essential support in stomach and back sleeping positions plus enhanced cooling features to keep you from overheating at night. And if your spine needs some extra TLC, they got you. 
Every Helix mattress has a hybrid design combining individually wrapped steel coils in the base with premium foam layers on top. It is the perfect combination of comfort and support. I agree with that last bit. I don't get all the technical stuff about the mattress, but it is soft and supportive. Helix offers 20 unique mattresses, the award-winning Lux, which I got, and ultra-premium Elite Collections, the Helix Plus, a mattress designed for big and tall sleepers, and the Helix Kids mattress designed for growing bodies and endorsed by child sleep experts, and my daughter now wants one. So, how will you know which Helix mattress works best for you and your body? You go to their website, take the Helix Sleep Quiz, and you find your perfect mattress batch in under two minutes. You know, when you said you can't follow all the technical stuff, it's really not that technical. You know, uh, no matter what way you sleep, they have a mattress that will support and comfort you. How hard is that? Uh, you know, when you say it that way, it seems a lot simpler. I take it back. That's my boner. And your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door, free of charge. And Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10- to 15-year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress. Well, I like that there's a warranty, but they can pry that mattress from my cold, dead hands. I took the sleep quiz. I was matched with the Helix Midnight Lux. I got the Lux. And I love it. It is such an upgrade from my old mattress. You know, I think Bonnie got the Midnight Lux. She did. Too. Yeah. You're not here. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to take Adam's word for it? Well, you got Bonnie's word. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Your Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. That's a lot, and it's already not that expensive a mattress. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet. It's fantastic. It won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Well, not right now. And if you're going to get it anyway, use our code. And we're back. Thank you, house band Eric Wolf. Just sounding fantastic on the wolf of my phone there. Paula Poundstone, you look like you still have questions unanswered. That's the look on your face. It looks like somebody tried to explain something to you, and yet you don't know what you need to know. You know, you may be seeing a look of concern there, fainting Frank. Okay. Uh, make sure you have another sip of water. I'm... <laughs> I just, I don't know when, <laughs> I don't, you know, I'm watching you via Zoom and I, none of us know when you're just going to keel, when you're just going to go over like a, you know. I, I, I feel fine. I yeah. feel absolutely uh -huh. fine. Yeah. Well, make sure you hydrate there. You know. Fainting Frank. As, as you know, lightheaded Larry, there, <laughs> there are weeks where our podcast has a lot of listeners and then there are some weeks where there are less. I, I make videos well, promoting yeah. the podcast. I put them up on TikTok. I put them on Twitter and Facebook. I put them on threads. But that's an afterthought. Sure. Some of my shows sell out and some don't. I promote my live shows in the same places. Uh, Bonnie often writes to me and says, put the name of the city first in your posts publicizing your dates. So I do. Mm -hmm. okay. And she says, do 
do three dates in each post, so I do. She says, use the ticket link for the venue, so I do. Then she says, use paulapoundstone.com for the link to the tickets, so I do. She says, use hashtags, include a joke, use pictures, I do. And then she says, don't use pictures, and I don't. (laughs) And does any of it matter, Adam? Bonnie and I are both trying really hard, but neither of us know. Um, Tim Allen was trending on Twitter recently because he said animals can't feel love. You know what that means? That means that Tim Allen thought to himself, what provocative, stupid thing that I don't even believe can I say that will make me trend on Twitter? And it worked. I've got no idea how any of this social media stuff works. I know somebody knows. There are experts out there. There are people who have really studied this stuff. They've looked at statistics. They know the language. They know what an algorithm is. I'll never meet any one of them, though. Certainly not on this Pony Express of a podcast. Nope. (laughs) Well, Paula, again, just tell me in advance what you're interested in, and I can make something happen. I mean, because you had told me nothing, I went ahead with uh, Tony Anita Hull's idea, and I, I booked Frida McNamara, uh, the, the inventor of the nose Frida, to the show uh, for this week. <laughs> well, um, that's... We're going to find all about, you know, sucking stuff out of baby noses, I guess. But, but if only... Oh, wait, 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 wait. No, 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 no. McNamara's next week. Frida's next week. Paula, by some crazy coincidence, we have booked a guest in the very area of expertise that you were just expressing uh, lamentable ignorance in. Well, that's a coincidence rolled in wax paper and frozen. Isn't it? She is a strategist at the marketing consulting services company Convince and Convert and has over 20 years of digital marketing and integrated marketing communication strategy experience. Please welcome to our broadcast all the way from Austin, Texas. It's Sonny Hunt. Yay. Hi. Yay. Welcome, Sonny. Sorry I'm not um, the uh, inventor of the Frida baby nose sucker. I'm sure that's <laughs> a real big disappointment. <laughs> that, but um, Well, we'll have, well, we'll have her next week. Sonny, I think our numbers are going to be through the roof next week as a result. Um, <laughs> yeah. Now, before we, before we start, Sonny, you uh, were a little under the weather a few weeks ago. Yeah. And weren't able to be on the podcast. Because you weren't there and we didn't book a guest in time, what we did is we had our own Bonnie Burns and our own Tony Anita Hull, who's not here tonight, do your job. And they served <laughs> as our social media experts. And I don't want to say they were good because they weren't. So what we would <laughs> love you to do is, is, is set the record straight, but understand that you're up against two non-experts who pretended to be you for an entire uh, interview segment. I think we got algorithm right. <laughs> you just totally set me up for success. Okay, well, that's awesome. We can talk about that. <laughs> yeah, um, all right. I, I, now that I've inserted that program note, I, I, I give the floor back to Paula Poundstone. I know that's where you're going to end up in a few more minutes. For God's sakes, drink some water. Uh, the floor. <laughs> all right, Sonny. Uh, for, first of all, I, I got warm all over as I was hearing Adam read your credentials, I, because this is a subject that eludes me, try as I might. Um, so I, I'm really excited to have you here to answer questions. Okay, yeah. uh, let's start here. Is it helpful in terms of having a reach to use multiple social networks? I'm still on Twitter, but I did start a Threads account. However, it took years to build up my Twitter numbers, and starting a new account is 
staring up a really big mountain at this point. Yeah, no, I totally feel I totally feel you. Um, I was one of the like very early adopters for Twitter back in like 2007, 2008. And Twitter was my favorite social network for so many years. And I made I made a lot of really great friends. And I had a lot of really great experiences. And I even used Twitter for breaking news and especially like hyper local news and even weather reports and emergency reports. But since, You're going to make me cry right here. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> but since like the new owner, and I'm not going to use his name because I can't stand him. Um, since the new owner came in, it's kind of been a dumpster fire. Yeah. There's very little or no content moderation. There's trust and safety team has been dismantled. He insulted these advertisers, and so they're leaving in droves. Um, he continues to make problematic statements after problematic statements. He's just not a good guy. And my my timeline is a mess. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I actually abandoned Twitter altogether, which was really painful. And I was really down for a couple of days. But, you know. You recovered. Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> yeah, I stretched, I hydrated, I got back in the game, I'm good. Yeah, boy. But I have a friend who doesn't hydrate enough, and mm. man, he will just, he will just, just go to town. Just stop it. He will <laughs> just... Uh, One time. Yeah, listen, Pale Pete, uh, if I were you, I know he just passes out in front of French people. Man. Um, he doesn't, doesn't hydrate enough and just One goes time. down. Um, One all right, time. So keeping in mind that time is money, yeah. um, and there's only 24 hours in a day until Trump declares otherwise, is being on multiple uh, social networks a good idea? Every social platform has its pros and has its cons. Um, they have different users. They attract different types of people and different audiences um, as far as generations and interests goes. Each social platform also tends to have a different type of format for content that they provide, that they prefer. So honestly, yes, I think that you should be on multiple platforms. I just think that you need to use your time wisely and also choose your platforms wisely. So you don't want to overextend yourself because you want to make mm -hmm. sure that you're able to be there in that social network and on that platform and engage with the audience that you're building. Because if you're not there and you're not engaging, you're kind of missing the whole social of the social media part. For example, I'm on Bob's network, which I don't think anybody's heard of. Yeah, I don't feel like you have enough users there because it's just you and Bob at this point, right? Yeah. Yeah, don't spend a lot of time on that one. Yeah, that one's not even group chat status yet. No, yeah. no, it's just me and Bob. Um, what is an algorithm and what does it mean to my social networking life? So an algorithm is basically a set of programmatic rules. So it's lines of computer code which basically determine what types of content you see what types of content is pushed to you, how it filters that content, it ranks that content, it recommends it. And ultimately, the goal of social media platforms with a really strong algorithm, what they want to do is they want to keep you there on their platform and keep you engaged. So they have an invested interest in making sure that you see content that you like. And so they're trying to get smart over time and feed you content that either aligns with content that you have published, that you engage with, or that you spend time with. So it's basically just computer rules that feed you content that you're supposed to like. 
So Paula wants to reach reach people, uh, the maximum number of people who might be interested in Paula Poundstone pr- products. She has to do so in a way that rings bells in other people's algorithms. Yes, if you understand your audience and what they're what they want and what they need, mm-hmm. and align mm-hmm. your brand and your content with what they want and what they need, then the odds of you actually not only getting in front of them, but that also serving them content that is very appealing to them and encourages them to engage with you is a lot higher. So if Adam posted on, uh, say, Twitter or threads or something, a story of him fainting in front of the French people... um, Which I probably wouldn't, but go on. then, Then he would attract a lot more French people or a lot more fainters? It could be. It could go either way. Yeah, French fainters. French fainters. Um, Adam, Adam, have a sip of water. Um, very, I'm fine. It's very niche content. <laughs> but that group of people, French fainters, very highly engaged. Yeah. Oh, they, they, they'd have a lot of advice for me, I'm sure. Mm. You need to hydrate. <laughs> and stretch. <laughs> Don't forget to stretch. Stretch. <laughs> you need to open your core. What are the techniques to growing followers? Is it, is it the same on each platform? And if the answer is yes, then what might those techniques be? Every platform has its own kind of rules and format that it really likes to play by. So if you're looking to grow a TikTok following versus an Instagram following, it's going right, to be let's a, start with TikTok. A, a little bit. Yeah, it's going to be a little bit different. So first of all, knowing who again who you're talking to in your audience. So on TikTok, your audience is probably going to be a lot more, a lot smaller, but the potential to reach them might be greater because it is smaller and it's probably more engaged. And the reason why I say that is because over 50% of TikTok's audiences is under the age of 34. So we have teeny boppers doing all kinds of dances and influencers putting on makeup and things like that. But you have a very specific type of audience and a very specific type of content that resonates with a very specific audience. So you have an opportunity to kind of carve out a niche there if you decide to put content up on TikTok and engage with it. I do. I have a TikTok account and I make videos for a while. I was doing them every day. And and then I just and then just one day I just didn't have any ideas. And so I've slowed down. I mean, I still put them up, but not as frequently. And I have had expensive social media people before that have talked to me about expanding to a different audience. Like, oh, that I wanted a younger audience, which I wouldn't mind. That's great. Uh, But I don't think I've exhausted any pool of audience members one way or the other. And so is there merit in trying to sort of shift who you appeal to. I believe that there is because ultimately you want to be able to connect with your audience on some level, whatever that audience happens to be. So if you want to intentionally skew younger, making Mm -hmm. content that skews intentionally younger and engages them in a way that they want to be engaged with could help draw an audience intentionally. Mm -hmm. And when you say engaging them in a way they want to be engaged with, do you know what that is? It depends. <laughs> so if we're talking about, <laughs> no, okay. but if we're talking about if we're talking about Zoomers or Gen Z, like we can't talk about them like a monolith. 
So they are yeah. very fragmented right. and they have different things that they like and different things that they want. So well, what are hope. some of those kind of clusters that align and overlap with where you're at and where your content is? Because that might be the magic and unlocking some of that engagement that you're looking for with a brand new audience. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about unlocking and let's talk about how we get people to do things. To me, that's the magic bullet of the reason why you do social media is to get people to do stuff. Um, for us, it means clicking a link and coming to our podcast when we're talking about not just Paula, but our podcast, Mm -hmm. where do we find the podcast listeners besides listening to other podcasts and how do we get them to click? Uh, we have a very robust presence on Facebook. There's Mm -hmm. a fan page and a page that we maintain and we do okay on Twitter, but I'm just wondering where are the listeners hanging out? Because we have a good fan base, but we can always get bigger. Well, we have Instagram too. I do follow Paula on Instagram. One of the things that I usually recommend is taking content like this, like this podcast and like these video, this video that we're recording right now too, and kind of cutting it up, taking smaller snippets, taking a larger piece of content, making smaller snippets and atomizing that content. And then using those smaller snippets. Atomizing? Like Adam, yeah. Adam Felber? <laughs> no, what do you like mean, what Adam do you mean Like Oppenheimer. <laughs> like, what does that mean, atomizing? Basically, it's kind of like a content bob, but it's like the shrapnel kind of goes everywhere, right? But it's taking little pieces of that bigger piece of content. So it would be a snippet mm-hmm. or a quote or 10, 15, 30 seconds of video. And producing it for other social content channels. So taking a video snippet and putting it on your Instagram feed and just saying, hey, we had a really great conversation with Sunny, blah, 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 talking about social media. You can find us where all your podcasts are. One of the things about social networks- I am totally gonna clip you saying that and set it to a beat. And set it where? Oh, set, set it, it to a beat. Boots and pants and boots and pants. Tons of unces. Yeah. So, but one of the things I wanted to mention is that a lot of social media networks, they have an incentive to keep you on their platforms. So they don't like a lot of links. They have kind of a walled garden approach where they're trying to keep you there. So if you atomize your content and you do audiograms or video snippets or even quotes or photos and talk about the podcast and give little snippets of what you talked about on the podcast, think about it like a Costco sample. So you're not giving a link, which would be like your frozen lasagna. You're giving a little sample cup of lasagna and saying, hey, you can go find lasagna over in the freezer, but I'm not going to put that right in your cart immediately. So Mm -hmm. give those little samples of what you're doing and use those in different social media networks in order to drive interest. Because when people are interested and they want to learn more, they will do a little bit more legwork in order to find the information that you're offering. So I, I don't really know uh, in a technical way what that means exactly. So I'm not saying like, I'm not going like, oh, this is on YouTube. Here's the link to the YouTube. I'm putting directly on, like, I don't know how to do that. On Instagram, you could mm-hmm. have a post that features a clip of us talking about social media. Right. It says we had a really great discussion. You can go find the podcast over wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Like, we are encouraging you to go listen to that. We're not going to give you the direct link, but we're going to go encourage you to go find it. Like Interesting. Where you, have your po- oh. where you have your podcast playlist, like, go add this episode. It's really awesome. So they can't just go from there. They have to get off and go look up. Oh, huh. Well, on Instagram, you just can't give the link. In stories, as as you can. If you have an Instagram story, you have the option to add a link. 
which you could, but like in the Instagram feed itself, not so much. But if you were on threads or if you were on Twitter, if you added a link, that algorithm or those programmatic rules may deprioritize your content and not show it to as many people. So you you actually don't want to link to the content? Not always. You can. It's good to have that kind of refresh every so often and add some posts that do have the link and some that don't. So you can kind of increase Uh your odds. But sometimes you don't want to add a link to that content. Okay, I have a quick question. Bonnie has a quick question. So are you saying like when we're pushing tickets that it might be better to just have her do, you know, where she is in the theater, join us for a laugh, whatever, and not put a link like paulapoundstone.com? I would do two posts. I would do one with a link and one without a link. You mm-hmm. kind of to cover your bases. Wow. You must have fucking hours of time in your day. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Just try I'm to kidding. be really <laughs> intentional about my time. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a great idea. I've never heard anybody say that before. And I have paid shitloads of money to people that don't seem to know that much about it. Well, this advice is um, free. Well, so, well, yeah. Well, <laughs> okay. We'll be calling well, you. Well, let, 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 me, let me say this. Uh, you know, John Ronson said, the great thing about social media is how it gives voice to the voiceless. And who knew there were so many voiceless eligible teen hotties in my neighborhood dying to meet me? We plumb deeper into social media when we come back. The cat of the week is Bachi from Sacramento, California. Congratulations, Bachi, and good luck. <laughs> Fun fact, the tongue is the only muscle in one's body that is attached from just one end. Unless you lick a cold flagpole. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, that's a good one. I don't think I knew the tongue was a muscle. Look at that. back with Sunny Hunt. Hey, Paula Poundstone, you still have more questions about social media. I can tell. Yeah, listen, dehydrated Don, have a sip of water there before you go down. I'm, uh, I will have a sip of soda, but I'm fine. Uh, Sunny, uh, when people have millions of followers, is it because they spent millions of hours messing around on social networks? <laughs> usually no. <laughs> no one has millions of hours, but I get what you're saying. Um, usually when people have millions of followers, they typically do a couple things. Number one is they know their audience really well. Number two is they have a niche or some type of reliable content that people that they become known for. There's also creating relatable content so people can relate or they create aspirational content. So that's why there is a lot of influencers out there who are doing shopping hauls and talking about products and talking about different experiences because they're producing aspirational content. What does that mean, aspirational content? What do you mean? If you have... 
someone who has a lifestyle that you would like one day, or if you have someone or you're following someone on social media who is an athlete and you would love to be the next LeBron James, then obviously you're going to be following that particular person. Or so mm-hmm. it's celebrities and influencers and even subject matter experts. So if you have somebody on TikTok who is a real estate expert and you want real estate tips, then obviously you're going to have more of an incentive to follow them. So it's relatable content that connects with the audience. Um, Some people are super lucky and they go mega viral and get thousands and thousands of followers in one fell swoop. But then there are other people who actually buy their followers. And that's actually, I know, that's a thing. Is that worthwhile? I would say no, but some people really want that. Honestly, the measurements that I use and that I recommend for my clients are focused more on engagement and the percentage Mm -hmm. of followers versus the percentage of likes, comments, shares, that type of thing, using that engagement ratio instead of just the follower metric. I don't put a lot of stock into the number of followers. I like to see how engaged their audiences are. Mm-hmm. Great. And from, from platform to platform, how do we choose what platform we're putting all our beans or most of our beans into? Is it engagement? How do we know which platform is doing the things for us that we want it to do? So there are a couple of different social media tools out there that can actually go through and measure these things for you. They can also highlight the content that performs really well versus the content that doesn't perform very well and give you some insights that way. But if you were to not even use a social media tool and pick two, maybe three social media platforms that you wanted to be invested in. I would start with the types of content that you're already producing. Because if you can take that content, shrink it down, make it small, and use it on those platforms without having to do a whole lot of extra legwork, that's gonna be really efficient use of your time. So that you can produce that content and then spend the time engaging with the people who have comments and who do share it. And other people who, have audiences that are like yours that you would like to kind of borrow or encourage to come follow you. Because when you engage with other people's content, they see that and they go, oh, I know Paula. I'm going to go see what she's up to. I have the, I don't know what they're called, but there's the, the, the feed where it's not people responding to me. It's, uh, it's not notifications. It's the other one on Twitter. It's just, it's the people that I follow, I guess. And, and there are literally thousands of them. A long time ago, I guess, it's somebody that I don't know the per I don't know them. It was just someone that I followed. They posted a thing that um, their their dog died or their dog was dying or whatever. And like an idiot, I must have, you know, felt bad for them and written back, oh, it's, you know, gee, I'm so sorry. Uh, you know, uh, make sure you drink a lot of water and, and walk near trees. And then... In short order, I started. I thought. I thought the whole world decided to post that they had dead dogs. I, I, I thought that was like the new <laughs> thing to do. But it turns out I somehow flipped a switch that said, "Yeah, send me the dead do- the dead dog shit." Is that is that true? Well, that was the algorithm at work. So you engaged with some content around a particular topic, and the algorithm went, "Oh, she really likes dead dogs. We're going to give her more of those." Yeah. And so. and also, I think I did the same thing. I must have, I must have had like a really caring week 
um, because I did the same thing, I think, with probably more than one person whose kid was in the hospital. I swear to you, now I think people just hold on to oxygen tubes and shove them up their kid's nose to take a picture and send it out to me because I literally have thousands of hospitalized kids on my feed. And, well, now I don't respond to any because I, I don't want more. You can start by engaging with other types of content that interests you mm-hmm. or that your audience is talking about or that other people who have audiences similar to yours are talking about. Just flip the script and flip your engagement. So stop engaging with sick kids and dying pets and start engaging mm-hmm. with, with other stuff, other comedians and award shows and politics, if you dare. So Sonny's message <laughs> is stop engaging with sick kids. Yeah. <laughs> Um, within the algorithm itself. No, 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 no. Let's just turn our backs on those who suffer. That, Uh, I think, if I were to capsulize what's been said here today, um, uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, All right, so you are suggesting, by the way, because our podcast is is only audio, but you're suggesting that we might attract more followers if we used our Zoom video on YouTube, maybe? You could. That is actually a very popular tactic and also an interesting strategy that a lot of other podcasters are using. It gives you a different format that you can use with social media. And honestly, I always like to use video. If you're capturing video, you should be able to use it. And honestly, video is kind of the core format for content that I really enjoy because it's the hardest to capture. And once you have it, you can do a whole bunch of other things with it. You can create a transcript from it and turn it into a blog post, or you can take quotes and snippets and turn those into social media posts, or you can shrink down the video and post it on TikTok or post it on Instagram, or- you I, can... I refer to that as atomizing it. Yes, very smart. I like that. Yeah, we'll, we'll roll with that. Thank you. Sure. Is that word again? I know. Um, Adam, Adam, you're starting to look a little pale. Do you have some smelling I'm salts fine. over I'm there or something? I'm fine. No, no, no. I don't need smelling salts. I'm okay. This was Did a you week stretch? ago and I'm fine. Do they even use smelling salts I anymore? Need to you stretch. Ne- you never hear anybody referring to smelling salts. Is that a thing? And is, Do people, st- you know what? You should sit down, Adam. Definitely sit down. I am sitting very- down. I am sitting down. You are this close to having somebody send in a video of you on my feed. Uh, that you know, with a nose. Wow! Uh, no, oxygen. no, Paula, I'm not. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm very concerned. I'm neither a dog nor a child, as well. So yeah, um, I won't be popping up on your feed. I swear, I read somebody one time um, on the same thing on the on the feed where it's people that I follow, uh, but I don't necessarily know them. Um, uh, one time, I read a thing from a woman who I must have stupidly written back to. Um, responded to but i read a thing she said my husband just died five minutes ago <laughs> and i'm like i'm thinking you responded to, myself, to that i think i did I, but i'm thinking to myself you got i didn't say it aloud i didn't write it to her but i'm thinking and you have nothing else to do right now this is really <laughs> like okay wow. you maybe have a problem ma'am um because that, that's that's when the social networking has become an addiction. When your husband drops dead five minutes ago, and you're 
you're now on Twitter telling people about it. Um, unless she, unless she was happy about it. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, I did. I didn't yeah. look into the backstory. Here's something I wonder about a lot. Paula Poundstone has a very robust social media presence, mm-hmm. and um, I have a less robust media presence, um, but I'm there. And then. Even under that is the social media presence of our show. Now, should we be devoting our energy to growing the social, uh, like the Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone Facebook account and the Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone Twitter account? Or should we be devoting our energy to promoting our stuff like this show through our own accounts that already have more uh, followers? That's honestly a decision that you have to make from a business perspective, not necessarily like a personal perspective. There are benefits what do you mean, to business? doing this. Yeah, yeah. There's, I mean, that's what I do. I'm a consultant. Are, um, we, are we supposed yeah, to be right. making money? Because that, you know, you're doing something wrong. Yeah, if we, you're haven't not. Done that. we haven't really cracked that nut. <laughs> No, no. So, so no. like, so like, I want to post a video, right? Yeah. Um, uh, and that, that will attract people to find nobody listens to Paula Poundstone. And if if mm-hmm. it's on Twitter, I've got like ten times more followers than the than our show does. And Paula has like a hundred times more followers than our show does. Where do we post this stuff? You could post it all over the place. So, Adam, you could post it okay. on your personal. You could post it on the on the primary, and Paula could post it on her personal. Bonnie could post it on her personal and point towards the. Um, podcast account. Oh, okay, let me just say this. I'm saying this to the French people that were in Las Vegas at Adam's sister's corporate event a couple of days ago. This feels if, like a detour. If you have a video of Adam on the floor after he fainted, nobody you, has a video. Could you please, <laughs> could you please, French people, please uh, send it to me? At uh, Paula at PaulaPoundstone.com, and I will post it on our socials. That would be so helpful, and it's one way of avoiding an international incident. Thank you. Someone's got video. Sorry. Someone does have <laughs> Nobody's video. Got video. No, Nobody's somebody. got video. No, somebody. You were out cold. Video. You didn't know if they had video or not. They did. They have video. Video. Jeez. <laughs> they were they were making sure. your hands move, and, and they were, like, dancing you <laughs> I'm around. I'm really they, pretty sure they didn't. Yeah, no, they did. I Because I, yeah, no, they did. <laughs> well, yeah, if you have it, please send it in. I'm interested to know. I, I, I believe I was out for like two or two or three seconds. All right, well, send that in, everybody, and send it to Paula, because I want Paula to... You know what? If you have any videos of people passing out, particularly if they're kids and uh, hooked up to oxygen, send that to Paula at PaulaPoundstone.com. Oh, my God. I just wanted to do what the algorithm might have missed. Yeah, if you can send me the last days of your elderly German shepherd, I would love to look at that. Thank you. <laughs> All right, so you say uh, post post it on everywhere. Yeah, not at the same time, not like everybody posts the same video all at the same time. Like, obviously, pace yourself, but... Pace the post. Pace the post, right. But if you are sharing or posting very similar content that all kind of points to the same place, you just have a greater chance of meeting somebody where they're at and reaching more eyeballs and increasing your overall reach. Well, I'm going to New York City on Friday, April 19th, uh, I'll be at Town Hall. And I have been tweeting most days for a couple of weeks now, dear New York City, and then saying that I'm coming there. And usually when I make a joke or, you know, post something, um, you know, people will, a lot of times there's just retweets or likes, but a lot of times people will write back and, and say something specific, you know, come from... 
I don't think one New York City person has written to me in two weeks. Uh, so I guess my question, Sonny, is what have I done to to put off the New York City Twitter people? That is a fantastic question. And I don't have a clear answer for you. I don't know. Were you promoting Dirty Water Dogs or like what? <laughs> were you, did no, you, I do you have beef with Grace Papaya and started some kind of like cancel Thing behind the scenes or like I've been nothing what? I've been nothing but enthusiastic I gotta say Grace Papaya doesn't have beef with Grace Papaya I don't know what that stuff is made of but <laughs> I was well it ain't beef maybe maybe you're being too nice to the New Yorkers oh yeah maybe I gotta I gotta oh, say yeah. you know what I don't even want you to come forget about it you don't yeah, deserve shut to up, come. New York. Fucking New Yorkers. Don't come. I, you know what? Br- bridge and tunnel only at my show. That's right. May Adam, may Adam Felber f- faint on top of your grandmother's grave. How about that, you fucking New Yorkers? That's, uh, yeah. I'm not sure they're going to get that one. Hey, here's something, Sonny. We're doing an interview right now, mm-hmm. and well, yeah. it's going to hit the webs in, you know, six days. How are you going to spread the word about this episode? Ooh. Oh, I- so as the day that the, the episode drops, I am probably going to grab a screenshot of the episode on probably Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and then I'm going to post it to my social networks, along with either a call to action, which is just text saying, you should go listen to this, or a link, or both. So on my Instagram stories, I will probably post a screenshot and just said, look, I had a great time talking with everybody and we talked about some really fun stuff. And there we talked about hydration and stretching and fainting it was great, as well as some social media. And then post it to my <laughs> social media accounts. Um, I'm also probably going to put it, uh, see, I'll probably put it on threads. I will probably put it on Instagram. And I will probably post it to LinkedIn as well, because I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. Oh, to LinkedIn. That's mm-hmm. interesting. I, I keep getting emails from LinkedIn where they say, Two people noticed me, and that's up a hundred percent from last year. Um, Sonny, if we are able to increase our, uh, you know, our reach, our engagement as a result of this interview, I want you to know that we will we will sing your praises from the highest peaks. Which probably won't do you that much good because how many people are up on the highest peaks? Let's face it. That's kind of, that's an isolated area. Yeah. Okay. So would you recommend not using the highest peaks to spread word? Maybe take the lazy river approach instead of the highest peak. How about that? Mm, mm, Ah, mm. yelling from the river. Yeah. Uh, That's how you do it. Yeah. Yeah. Casual, casual conversation instead of a blow, instead of a bullhorn. Oh, okay. That is a good idea. Uh, well, thank you so, so much. That was so excellent. She is a social media and marketing expert. She has just increased our reach. I'm going to just estimate, guesstimate, 10,000 fold. It's Sunny Hunt, everybody. Thank Yay. you so much for being here. Self high five. This was fantastic. Yay. Thank you. Yeah. Now that we've gone that extra mile about social media, it's time to get social about those extra miles we used to run. Yes, thrill to our tales of athletic prowess when we come back. And now, a news update from the dental chair. The hike around Swami understood that he lost. (laughs) (laughs) 
This has been a news update from the dental chair. Thank you, house band Eric Wolf. You know, this has been such a great episode because I really feel like the suggestions that Sonny made could help us grow our numbers. And you know how important that is, Adam. Uh, a podcast that doesn't have a growing community of listeners simply can't last. So spreading the word about how much fun our podcast is is critical. We can't do it ourselves. It doesn't do any good for you and I to say, be a nobody listens to Paula Poundstone listener here on the podcast. No one who doesn't listen to nobody listens to Paula Poundstone is listening. So our listeners- Yeah, that's a syllogism, but yes. Our listeners have to do it. That's the thing. That's how it works. It's one listener- I don't remember Sonny saying that. Talking to one friend at a time. That ultimately no. that's what it is. The problem is it can be an uncomfortable conversation. It it, it can be awkward. What? Uh, Why? So I uh, just the way life is. So I have written Adam for the first time in quite a while. Uh, I have written some simple sample dialogue in order to interlock those zipper teeth. Uh Okay. Uh, for, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, try this. Um, okay. Uh, listener's friend, thanks for coming with me to my storage unit. I, I I just forgot to put this string of lights in with the Christmas stuff before I brought the boxes back. It'll only take a minute, and then we'll go to lunch. Listener, sure. Uh, boy, it's dark in there. Listener's friend, it's okay. I know where everything is. Wait. Uh, just just wait right here. Shit. <laughs> Oh my God, are are you okay? Listener's friend. Ah, ah, I think so. Luckily, my mother's couch fell on me. Listener. Luckily, listener's friend. Yeah, I think it protected me from my dad's spark plug collection. Listener, your dad collected spark plugs? Listener's friend. Yeah. He was so obsessed with it. He had no time for us. Listener, can, can you get out? L- listener's friend, I can't move. Will you play with me? Listener, what's that? Listener's friend, ah, oh, shit, it's my chatty Kathy doll. I hope she's not broken. Listener, she was that very popular doll for kids who weren't good with names, right? Listener's friend, she was in my son's crib. Can you see if my son's crib is still standing? Listener, I can't see a thing. Why do you have his crib? Listener's friend, we told him we'd hold on to it if he decided he had a hard time sleeping in his big boy bed. Listener, he's 30. (laughs) I I can't lift this couch. I'm going to have to call 911. Battleship arm. Battleship son. Listener's friend. What was that? Listener, either you saved your talking battleship game or your father collected naval officers. Hey, it's Tuesday, isn't it? While we wait for the first responders, why don't we listen to Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, the comedy podcast? Listener's friend, (laughs) what's that? (laughs) 
It's a really funny podcast that also has real information to share with Paula Poundstone and Adam Felber and Paula's manager, Bonnie Burns, who's also known as Captain Crinkle. But I can't tell you why, because it's in the past. (laughs) And their former producer, Tony Anita Hull and Mrs. Culpepper and Mike Boom Boom Bonifit and Mac LaPierre. Listener's friend, boy, you really light up when you talk about Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, the comedy podcast. Why didn't you ever tell me you listened before? Listener, well, it can be awkward. See, Adam? Listener's friend. Yeah, I, I, I can see that. Well, thanks for telling me now. So, Adam, I think we'll be seeing an increase in our listenership soon. Wow. Um, Paula. I have to say, back when you used to do these simple sample dialogues a whole lot yeah. on our show, like pretty much on a weekly basis, yeah. uh, back then I didn't really understand why you were doing it or... How it was going to su- supercharge our listenership? I didn't see any value in it. But now, now that you've done it after after all this time, yeah, I still don't. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. All right, moving on. And this is going to get us a lot of fans, because what do people love, Paula, especially this time of year? Sports. We're moving towards the Super Bowl. We're moving through the NBA season towards the All-Star break. We just finished bowl season. And then we're March Madness is just around the corner. And what do we have for you here? We've got tales of our own athletic prowess. Adam, in a segment Adam. Where- yeah, what? Adam, I hope I'm not interrupting. Wow, I was really in full dudgeon working towards an introduction to a segment, so yes, you are interrupting. You know what? Answer the phone! Did you hear the phone? No, not until just this second. Answer the phone! Wow, I don't know if I can get myself revved up for this introduction Adam, answer the phone! They're gonna hang up soon! Answer the phone! Oh, God damn it. Hello, you're the 29th caller. I'm the What? You're the 29th caller. Who am I speaking with? It is a uh, French Trump. <laughs> what is this 29th caller of which you speak? Oh, French Trump. Well, against my better judgment, we are in the middle of the 100th caller contest, and you are the 29th caller. So do I win? No, sir, you would only win if you were the 100th caller. You could call back, and perhaps you'd be the 100th caller when you call back. Of course, I will win. You cannot steal the 100th caller contest. It is rigged. Fellas, all I need is 71 more calls. You came to me with tears in your eyes, and you said to me, Sir, you would have won the 100th caller contest, and you are a tough guy. But you did. You came to it. Tears in your eyes. I did not have tears in my eyes, and I did not tell you you won the 100th caller contest. I told you you would have to be the 100th caller to win. To win what? Well, the 100th caller wins a (laughs) biographical tour of the places that made me the man I am today. Was it this shit? I don't care about how you became the man you are today. I don't care about the man you are on any day. Who are you? I'm I'm Adam Felber. Huh? I'm Adam Felber. I'm the co-host of Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone comedy podcast. Who the fuck is Paula Poundstone? 
Well, that was actually an alternate title that we had in mind. But um, Paula Poundstone is a stand-up comic, and uh, we have a podcast together. So, uh, she's brilliant. So, if sir, if you don't know who Paula or I am, then why are you calling into the 100th Caller Contest? I'm calling every combination of numbers so I can tell people that I won the Republican says in Iowa by the biggest margin in history. Do you want a picture of me with Jesus? <laughs> that sounds inauthentic, and my answer is no. Do you want the one with me crossing the Potomac? Uh, no, 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 thank you. You are a tough negotiator. You <laughs> want a picture of Trump Superman. Those are very popular. You have come no. to me with tears in your eyes. You said, sir... Gotta have a Trump Superman picture. Mr. French Trump, I do not want any of your pictures. And I, I don't want a dictator anywhere near the White House, if I can tell you the truth. I will only be a dictator on the first day. And what will you dictate? That the day ends when I say it does. I gotta go. <laughs> I will call back. Hello? Oh, wow. French Trump makes an appearance. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Wow. That is, that is Calling upsetting. every combination of numbers he can think of. And he uh. happened to get our, our podcast, <laughs> yeah. which doesn't yeah. technically have a number. Yeah. Well, it does. How do you think people call us? Yes, it absolutely uh, That's my absolutely. question all the time, absolutely Paula Poundstone. It does. Uh, okay. Uh, well, boy, he sure interrupted because you were saying what? Oh, I don't know. Vic, cue the dramatic music again, because I don't know if I have all that energy in me. Well, Paula, it's sports season now, and it's time for us to regale our listeners with a new segment that we are calling We Got Game? Anyway, we all have an athletic history. Whether or not we were super successful in sports, we know that Paula Poundstone can shoot a basketball, for instance, um, and she plays ping pong. Oof. So, Paula Poundstone, let's start with you. It's your podcast. This podcast, as French Trump called it, Who the Fuck is Paula Poundstone? Tell us your story of sports glory. Our junior high had an annual gymnastics show called the Gymorama. After a few years of dreaming of participating, I passed the audition and was a part of the show. I was a part of a trampoline routine and during the rehearsals, while doing a flip off of a springboard onto the trampoline, I missed and hit my back on the trampoline frame before ah. falling and hitting my head on the springboard and landing on the floor. I, I, I cried a lot. Every rehearsal afterwards, I ran up to the springboard to begin my routine and, and I balked and, and, and chickened out. Eventually, when we performed the event before an audience of parents and supporters, I unceremoniously climbed under the trampoline without a mount, probably causing my leotard to drive further into my crotch. It's a beautiful story of sports success. <laughs> Although not really success, though. It was. <laughs> Okay. And then when I chickened out, I would cry some more. And finally, the gym teacher was like, yeah, just don't do it at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
you know what? It's a story of triumph over difficulty. That's what it was. It's a beautiful story of triumph. Except that you didn't triumph over the difficulty so much as eventually gave up. No, that story is on a level with the young woman who years ago broke her ankle uh, after the vault in the Olympics, uh, Carrie Shrugs. Oh, Shrugs. Carrie Shrugs, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. She broke her ankle and stuck the landing anyways. Except you didn't stick the landing. You you bailed a lot of times and eventually fell on your crotch and then gave up. <laughs> no, I didn't fall on my crotch. I just, you know, when you climb onto a trampoline, you're using a lot of shoulder, and that, of course, pulls the leotard tighter. Oh, I see. Like this? Wow, that's riding up there. Yeah, it really, whoo, boy. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's hard to get past that chariots of fire type moment, but we're gonna we're gonna move on to Bonnie Burns. Bonnie, now you're an athlete currently, but I, I guess you were as well as <laughs> as a child um, or as a young woman. Do you want to give us your story of athletic uh, triumph? The first thing that I thought of was I haven't really had an athletic triumph. And, you know, what was going through my mind was not being able to shinny up the rope to the top in gym class. And mm-hmm. uh, until you did, right? Until no, you did. I never. Until that one day when the I whole never school, Bonnie, 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 and then just you fucking grabbed that rope and pulled and pulled and you just let your legs. Dangle, your short little bonnie legs. Dangle, body, body. Oh my God, I'm tearing up. I am tearing up. And and yeah. the principal of the school was there to see it. Is that correct? Yeah. That- the answer yeah. was to cut Jim as often as I could, so I didn't have to face that wow. humiliation. Wow, but, that is um, really a sports. That's a great moment in sports. That's what that is. I cut Jim yeah. a lot. Yeah. But here was a victory, okay? There used to be this famous guru named Bikram who became like the Hollywood yoga guru. All these celebrities went to his class. and There's billboards of him still on Pico, I think. And he's, <laughs> uh, yeah, isn't that the same guy? Bikram yoga, yeah. Okay, yeah. so the room would be like 96 degrees. It was really, really hot. He would sit up on pillows. He was wearing Speedos. He did have a magnificent body. And he would eat cashew nuts while he was taking us through these poses. And he would insult us all the time. Americans got chicken legs, chicken arms. Like, you know, you don't try hard enough, blah, blah, blah. Okay, I was number 37 of the people that could lean over and touch their forehead to their toes. And when I would do it, he would go and stand on my back like he was surfing. Wow. And then would he say to you, um, but now do it with your legs straight? (laughs) That's amazing. Wow. And he's still alive. No, he strangled himself with his own knee. That's amazing. That's a great story of athletic triumph, Bonnie. Okay, thank you, In fact, Bonnie, tell the rest of the story. That inspired... The Beach Boys. The Beach Boys were originally going to be more of a barbershop quartet. But when they saw Bikram surfing on Bonnie's back, that's what made the Beach Boys decide to do uh, surfing music. There were a number of celebrities. So Jeff Bridges was in that class with me. Raquel Welch was in that class. And when she couldn't do the poses, because they were really hard, she would get so frustrated, she'd break into tears and run in the ladies' room and cry. Well, she had huge breasts. It's no wonder she couldn't get her (laughs) head down to her toes. 
Yeah. I have a Raquel Welch story. Oh, well, look, this, this segment's already off the rails, so by all means. I arm wrestled Raquel Welch. And uh, wait, was she able to get her arms in front of her body with those breasts? No, which is why I knew I had her. Uh, <laughs> all right, Adam, you go, you go. Tell it's a great moment in sports. Yeah, I was a, I was a very scrawny kid, not very athletically inclined. In fact, I was terrible at sports. And um, that reminds me, pass out, Pete. Have a little sip of water, won't you? I'm fine. I'm fine now. Starting but, to look um, a little. The pale. tale I have to tell you uh, takes place in Roslyn, New York, at Pierce Country Day Camp when I was eight years old. And the thing I remember clearly from that summer is these two bullies and the one week where I had athletic triumphs, two of them in the same week. The bullies were Greg and Wayne. Greg was really athletic, and Wayne was one of those kids who was popular and hung with the athletic kids, although he was kind of hefty, and they bullied me relentlessly. And I was just like, if I could just cut through on one of these games, I know that things will change. And then early on in this week, we were were playing baseball uh, and I hated playing baseball because they stick in the field. And eventually if you can't play baseball, well, the ball finds you. And I knew that there were two outs and the inning was over. And as soon as somebody hit the ball, I I could go and just sit down on the bench until it was my turn to strike out again. And somebody hit the ball. uh, Were you teaching improv in the outfield at this time? Not at that point. Not at that point, Paula, because I was eight years old. So somebody hit the ball. They hit it. What I thought was like, really lightly and I started running in from the center field because I was like ah oh, the second baseman will catch it or something and all of a sudden I noticed that the ball is coming to me and sailing over my head wow so at the last minute I reach up my mitt just to, so I could show people that I was at least trying and the ball just like hit the webbing of my mitt and I caught it wow and, it, and I ran in and I remember that Greg guy who had been the guy who hit the ball looking Asshole. at me and I was laughing and he said you didn't even mean to catch that. Oh, yeah, but Aww. and he, and he was a hundred percent right. Um, but but, but I didn't you admit said it. that he wasn't right. You said, of course right. I did. Yeah, that baseball game was the first salvo, and I remember the last event was the marathon relay. For some reason, they had me running last, and, and and this kid Wayne, who was the other bully, he's chugging. He's a hefty kid, and I slowly started to realize that I could pass him. And I, in fact, passed Wayne just as we were rounding the hill and all the kids could see us. And there was this mighty cheer that went up and I beat Wayne. Wow. And you know what happened from that day on with Greg and Wayne? They beat the crap out of you every day that they saw you. Nothing else changed, yeah. That was, oh, <laughs> that was completely, completely nothing changed. Uh-huh. That was not the day I finally won their respect. But it was the day of my biggest athletic triumph. Well, you know what? Greg, Wayne, um, Adam, we have a surprise for you. We weren't going to tell you. No, no, don't do that. No. (laughs) Uh, I am so excited. No, Greg and Wayne, if you all could come on in. But I got to tell you, when, when, when I finally arrived with the rest of my team and they hoisted me up on their shoulders, the leotard I was wearing really rode up. Oh, my God. Yes, it will. <laughs> it absolutely yeah, will. It really um, does. My vagina was literally sealed off for several years. Well, you like it that way. Of <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well. Oh, I wish yeah, our listeners well, could see could have seen Paula's reaction to that. <laughs> it, was, it, it, was, it was better than what they do with, you know, pipes and cement. So that was good. Um, all right. So. All right. right. I was in 
as an adult, uh, uh, you know, a young adult, but oh, an adult. Oh, you got another story for us. Excellent. Yeah. Sure, sure, sure. I was in a pickup basketball game at a gym in Dallas once, and I was the only woman on the court. I was there. I was I was working a club, a comedy club in Dallas, and one of the local comics um, was a big, tall guy who played basketball, and he also belonged to this fancy-ass gym. And... Uh, uh, you know, anybody wants, you know, so he guest pasted me in and anybody who wants to can sign up the, on the list. So it's a pickup game. Um, okay, great. The captain of the opposing five man team told there was a guy that was like an older uh, 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 member of, of that team. And he had a, like a leg red brace. Buttons. Uh, it was le- red buttons. It, it was red buttons. <laughs> he, was, he had like a, <laughs> a leg brace on. So when the the guy that was the presumed captain of the opposing team says to him, he says, "Okay, you cover her," uh, which made this man feel unmanly, and uh, so he's pissed. So at the mo, there was a moment where the ball was nowhere near us, and this older man with the leg brace who was covering me from the opposing team elbowed me in the mouth. And uh, just like a deliberate, oh. like took his elbow and kaboom. Oh, and, and Red I, Buttons is so beloved as America's well, clown. I was That's, really yeah. surprised because in uh, in Poseidon Adventure, he couldn't have been kinder. Um, well, uh, he did keep telling that woman that her uh, brother was dead. <laughs> yeah, she's dead. I, all right, so I was shocked. And, okay. But I, I, I didn't. I didn't say anything. I didn't do anything. And he turned right. to me and he said, if you're going to play with the big boys, you're going to get hurt. <laughs> which, oh. Yeah, which is uh, something that I think he learned from uh, Greg and uh, Wayne. Was Wayne, Greg? yeah. Greg, Wayne, you don't have to hide in that room anymore. Come on out. Come on out. Talk no, to Ed. no, no. <laughs> so when did the triumph part come, Paul? All right, so uh, uh, it didn't. I just bled my mouth fucking uh, oh, you suggested this do you, topic. Do you see this? Okay. All right. So I didn't. Uh, I'm sorry. My mouth is filling with blood right now. I, so I didn't say memory. or do anything about it um, because it was the sort of, you know, it's not like, it's not like you're going to correct the guy's behavior, right? This guy was a, uh-huh. a lifelong asshole and, uh, and there was nothing you could was do. Was he a comic? He was a comic. Oh, oh no, 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 no. Just a guy. Oh, I, I don't know what just he a guy. for a living. Um, but You're going to play with the big boys. In a boys. few seconds, and this is really the weird part of the story, because no one ever passes to me, but in a few seconds, one of my teammates passed me the ball. And I, I shot it up in my panicky way, the very opposite of Iowa's Caitlin Clark. And I will never forget as long as I live, the sound of the swish of that net. Okay, not only was the swish glorious, but here was the really glorious part. So the guy who was the, you know, assumed captain of the opponent's team says to the the old guy who's supposed to be covering me, he goes, would you get on her? Oh, oh my yes. God! Yeah, it was. Oh, yes, it was. It That's was, fantastic. It was glorious. I mean, it wasn't as good as when Bonnie Burns climbed all the way to the top of the rope. <laughs> rope <in gym>. <laughs> but that's has, that's terrific. Bonnie has small hands. I can't imagine her hands could even get around like the, the, <laughs> the circumference of the rope. Just, just teeny little. She's almost Trumpish hands. She has teeny little hands. That are not made but for rope climbing. But she did it. She did it. No, oh, I didn't. God. Yeah, no, she did. She uh, did. Oh, she didn't do it. No, she did. And the whole the school. She did. 
Just um, yeah. all right. I, I have one more. You're gonna love okay. this one. All right, I can't like, wait. As you know, I've lost a lot of weight in the last year, but before that, I was a I was a heavy man. How much did you weigh? Around 260. So I was working on some show. I can't even remember what it was. And for some reason, everybody on the show decided, hey, we have we have access to an actual Olympic champion runner. And what we're gonna do is we're all gonna run a hundred yards and see how we do and then he's going to train us and then we're all going to run 100 yards again and so like everybody on the show went out and ran 100 yards and even though i was fat believe it or not paula i was faster than everybody on my show this sounds is very familiar we all worked and worked and worked and worked and we all improved but i improved more and i ended up against all odds being the fastest guy on my show well, it was a podcast. That's right. It was a podcast. It was a po- this is sounding so familiar. So <laughs> familiar. Um, huh. Did it? Okay. Who was it? I re- okay. Who was the person that you worked with? She was I, a- uh, the, the, the Olympic champion. It was um. It was Carl Lewis. It was no, it was no, Olympic who, champion Carl Lewis. No, who was the woman that was from the show? She was also a sports uh, legend. I remember she was quite a gymnast and uh, particularly good <laughs> um, on the on the vault. I've worked with a lot of people. I don't know that I can. Okay, she did a trick one time where she flipped and landed on the metal frame of the trampoline and hit her head. A, an athlete couldn't do that again if they fucking wanted to. It was unbelievable. Wow. It was unbelievable. It was. But guess what, Paula? It turned out I, fat version of me, was faster than her. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> I'm starting to side with Wayne. Wayne, you want to come on out? <laughs> um, I know Bonnie's going to want me to do this. To flip over all the cards for our new listeners, about about two years ago, we had um, Carl Lewis on our show, and he did train us to to run. The great Carl Lewis. Even just yeah. over the phone on the podcast, he was just inspirational. Yeah, uh, those really guys, they just are so positive. Yeah. At least it helped you and me, Paula. I, I think Bonnie never actually ran. No, because think- my knees, I have arthritis in my knees. Okay. And, but I didn't know that. Then they just hurt. Yeah, I, you know what? I, I say run anyways, and then I could have at least beaten somebody. Um, <laughs> well, technically, you beat Bonnie. I, I, I don't think I. You know, Adam. Uh, yeah. I, first of all, is it? I'm always sorry that Tony's not here because I think you know, sometimes she doesn't have enough respect for the the rest of us. And I think yeah. if she were to hear these great moments in sports, I think she yeah. would have a lot more respect. Um, yeah, and you know. I'm to tell you the truth, I want to do this segment again just so I can hear Tony's story because I know it will involve her sobbing while playing some sport. <laughs> uh, no, she is a hell of a javelin thrower. I don't know if you knew that. I did not. Well, she may, I don't know. There's some allegations that she's cheated. What she does is she throws the javelin off the back of a cruise ship and then uh-huh. uh, the distance of the throw gets bigger over time. Uh, oh, that's yeah. That yeah, would make sense. Yeah, Faster seem, ship is going. Yeah, doesn't, doesn't seem, seem quite fair. Fair. Paula Poundstone. You know what? I couldn't help noticing. Especially, it must be because you look so good after that workout today. But Valentine's Day is coming up. February is soon upon us. And honestly, Adam, I have not cared about Valentine's Day since I was in the fourth grade. But you know what days I care a lot about? I do not. Friday, February 23rd, and you know why? No. Because I'm going to be in Richmond, Virginia at Tin Pan, 
What a great place to be for a night of laughs. For tickets, go to paulapoundstone.com and click on the tour tab. You know what's another special night full of love in February? Saturday, February 24th. Because I'm going to be in Hartford, Connecticut at Infinity Hall, which means I'll have seen the Lego replica of Mark Twain's house at the Hartford Airport. For tickets, go to paulapoundstone.com and click on the tour tab. All of this is building to Keene, New Hampshire. Ooh. I'll be in Keene, New Hampshire at the Colonial Theater on Saturday, March 2nd. I cannot wait. Get your tickets. Get your laughs. Go to paulapoundstone.com and click on the tour tab. All right. Well, I'm going to click on the tour tab again and again and again. And then I'm going to go onto my phone and I'm going to click on the Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone Patreon page because we're going great guns over there, having just a great time. You want exclusive video from our show. You want extra audio because our show is just too damn long as it is. But if you're one of those masochists who want more Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, you could do a lot worse than going over there. All right. It is time. Wait, wait. You didn't tell them about the chat. We did a text chat on Patreon. Yeah. It was um, really was, fun. It was very fun. And there, there were dozens and dozens. I don't know how many people were in the chat, but there were lots and lots of people there. I was typing and voice typing as fast as I possibly could to respond to everybody. Yeah, I would say, you know, I'm not all that good with numbers, but I would say it was, okay, it was somewhere in between what Taylor Swift might have and what uh, Bob, uh, who lives across the street from me, would have. Somewhere in between there. Somewhere in between Bob, who's got just you, and Taylor Swift, who's got millions of fans. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel so. like that's a pretty safe bet. Wayne, you want to come on in? Wayne, Get just it come on all. in. <laughs> no, no, no. All right, everybody, that was fun. Uh, nobody's, if you have any questions or comments or just want to send Paula a picture of a of a dog about to kick the bucket, uh, send it to nobody listens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com. Uh, remember to follow us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And hey, why not drop a review? And that is our show. Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone is hosted by Paula Poundstone and yours truly, Adam Leifelber. Special thanks to our guest, Sonny Hunt. Yeah. Feeling Yay! better, looking better. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for being here, Sonny. Thanks to our house band, Eric Wolf. He was great. <laughs> you were terrific. Our show is produced by Paula Poundstone, Adam Felber, Bonnie Burns, Ken Lezebnik, and Julie Burke-Cobian. And we are edited by the phenomenal Vic Lowry. That's our show for tonight. Won't somebody please listen to me? <laughs> I think that Greg and Wayne have changed a lot over the years, and that you should give them another you think chance. So? Yeah, you, you know, think I should? I yeah. got off on the wrong foot with them when you were eight, and uh, yeah. Well, yeah, I, I, I was all wrong feet when I was eight, but I, I really don't feel like I was the one responsible for the, for the for the bad blood between us. Nah, but you know what? Sometimes you just gotta give. Well, what's people, that, people. Paula? You didn't send people over to my house just now, did you? Uh, Greg, Wayne. Wait, I don't, I, Paula, I really feel bad about this. I don't know that I should open the door for these people. Uh, you no, know, I'm telling you, they're they're different. I'm, I, you know it, Really? Yeah. No, they are. They, uh, all right, all right. Hang, wait, hang on a wait minute. minute. Um, wait a minute. Is it, uh, what? Is that? Okay, wait. Is that a wet towel Greg has? Greg, is that a wet? Yeah, maybe. Maybe he just came out of the. Here, Greg Wayne, come in. Uh, we're gonna have you step up to the microphone, um, and we're just gonna settle some of our. Ow! Oh God! Ow! Stop it!
Yeah, maybe, you know what? I'm sure they have a sensitive side. Um, maybe, you no. just, maybe you just never talked nicely to them before. <laughs> I tried. Ow, everything hurts. Adam, have a sip of water. You really look like you're about to, you know, pass out. 